Hello everyone and welcome. You're listening to DTSE Talks, the place to be to learn more and explore the life in Magenta. You wonder what's going on in the company? Where do we excel and what's our lessons learned? Join me as I delve into the life in DTSE and interview employees as well as guests to answer all your questions. I'm your host, Umayma Buswab, and today we talk about mental well-being. Therefore, I invited our meditation pioneer, Geza Hoyza from Deutsche Telekom, as well as Maria Lachova, the founder of the Human Dynamics Company from Slovakia, to break down the concept of mental wellness. So stick around! Our last episode focused on the importance of upskilling and securing a future, and that's what most of us tend to do in life in general. It's true that the experience and career development is vital, but life is not just about the certifications, the degrees, and so on. In order to have a balanced life, we need to develop both our know-how and our know-how to be, because as human beings, we are feeling beings, so any change impacts us psychologically and emotionally. Therefore, we should take care of our mental well-being as much as we do for our physical well-being and not neglect it. So today, we start by discussing the impact of the COVID pandemic on our view and perception of the psychological well-being, clear out the stigma around it, and explore how both companies and individuals can stay afloat during difficult situations and learn how to navigate through the changes. So without further ado, let's get started! Our guests today are Geza Hoyza. She works as a senior manager, top executive development in Deutsche Telekom and has been active for a while now in the area of meditation and mental wellness in our group. We also have a special guest with us today. Her name is Mirjam Lachova, the chief executive officer at Human Dynamic Europe in Slovakia, which is a company that offers consulting and counseling services to organizations around Europe. Ladies, Welcome. I'm very happy to have you here with me today. Thank you so much. <laughs> yes, it's great to be here. Thank you. Yeah, welcome. So I introduced you a little bit, but uh, if you would like, uh, you can say a bit more about yourself, about how you got to your positions. And uh, yeah, we can start with you, Geza, if you want. Yes, I'm happy to take over. Thanks for the invite again. And I'm really looking forward to our time together Super. in this talk. Um, yeah, as you said, I'm working in Deutsche Telekom in top executive development. Basically, we take care of the development of the of the two t- top t- uh, 250 leaders in Deutsche Telekom. And one of the main strategic topics that we follow is emotional intelligence, because we strongly believe that leading in any way or form needs to have a strong capacity in emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. Now, how did I come to that position? Because it's actually a real joy to be there. That's good to hear. um, (laughs) Yeah, I I just love it. Nice. Um, Basically, I've been in the topic of meditation, mindfulness, emotional intelligence, so forth for uh, nearly 20 years, I would say. Just following my own development and being super curious about developing and unfolding my own potential and inner self Mm -hmm. um, through meditation classes. And then I did lots of different trainings just to follow on that. But it was never my profession. It just was curiosity in my own personal passion. Mm -hmm. And then for a long time, I did different positions in Deutsche Telekom, having to do with IT, with HR 
different uh-huh. kinds of projects and positions. And it was kind of split up. I had this profession on the one side, and then I had my personal passion, which mm-hmm. I followed in my free time. And then I took a time off in 2016. So I took 15 months off mm-hmm. just to see whether I needed to be in the position I was in or whether there was other path in my life that I needed to follow, mainly to do with coaching, therapy, meditation, and so forth. Mm-hmm. So I traveled a lot, went to a lot of different teachers who sort of helped me on with my personal development. And in the very last months, I decided that I needed to come back to Dr. Telekombu because I didn't see that what I had to bring was in Dr. Telekom yet. And that was when I was uh, got when I got offered the position that I'm having now. And magically, or for me at least, magically, mm-hmm. um, my passion and my profession just merged. Nice. So now, like everything I'm doing is my profession and my passion. And I'm, I don't know where it's going to lead, but um, I don't mind that so much. So right now, mm-hmm. I'm just doing lots of work in this area and I'm just loving it. Super. That's like the ultimate goal, you know, to mix your passion and your profession so that every day you wake up and you're happy to be to be at work. That's cool. And how about you, uh, Miriam? Yes, thank you. Um, it's a pleasure to be here as well. And my story is a little bit different. I actually grew up in a family of two therapists. Mm -hmm. (laughs) My father was a clinical psychologist, my mother, a special therapist. So I made sure that I didn't study anything close to that. (laughs) As we, uh, when, uh, you know, when we're kids, we just want to get as far away from our parents' profession as possible. But at the same time, it's, uh, it's kind of in us and it's close to us. And we realize it later on in life Mm -hmm. when we, uh, get more mature, I think. Mm -hmm. So my initial career was in the area of finance and uh, entrepreneurship business, which, uh, which helps me a lot. Mm-hmm. And that is still my passion today. But at the same time, um, and I liked how Gessa talked about her passion because I merged also two areas. One is the business entrepreneurship and the other side okay. is the mental health yeah. and the well-being. Mm-hmm. So um, when I opened my company about uh, four years ago in Slovakia, there was, um, and I started in the, um, I started to look into the field of EAP and mental health. I realized that there's a big gap in the Eastern European region. Mm -hmm. So providing EAP services or mental wellness uh, topics was a taboo at the time. And Mm -hmm. I wanted to change the mindset of people that mental health is actually something that, um, that is wise to, to talk about, to, mm-hmm. um, to deal with. And, uh, and for me, it was natural because I grew up in the family of two therapists. So mm-hmm. I thought everyone should have a therapist <laughs> to be okay. <laughs> so when I, when I realized that was not the case in this region, when I moved here, um, 12 years ago, I wanted to change the world one person at a time. Mm -hmm. So at the moment, we're providing EAP services to companies and their employees Mm -hmm. through um, the company Human Dynamic Europe in uh, Slovakia, Czech Republic, Hungary, Bulgaria, Serbia, and moving to other countries where no such providers are existent. So, and uh, I'm really happy and passionate about the fact that the mindset of people is changing. Mm -hmm. It's a different story than Geza, but it's kind of the same uh, thing that you managed to achieve at the end. So you merged your passion with your with your profession. That's 
That's great. I think it, it's only recently that really it became more and more urgent to discuss this uh, employee's well-being um, because of the uncertainty, you know, about the future, about the personal and financial safety. So our focus on mental wellness has been slowly and steadily increasing. So my question is, is it because of COVID? Is, is it something to do with uh, the situation? Uh, what do you think? Well, if we're talking about specifically in this region, we have seen a great increase in employers mm -hmm. caring about the mental health of their employees. Mm -hmm. And that has been a biggest change I've seen in the last year. Just from uh, from the response of the companies in the past, when uh, when I would um, talk about mental health, the companies would say, oh, that's nice. But, you know, it's a nice thing to have, but not really a necessity to have for mm -hmm. our employees. Mm -hmm. So in the last year, I think employers realize that if they don't take care of people's mental health, they are going to be losing uh, people's performance. Mm -hmm. They're going to be losing um, key employees and that by helping them in this area, they're actually helping the organization. Mm -hmm. And so we have seen this shift at the same time. I think the, uh, uh, a great increase in digitalization and innovation in this region in the last year has been positive as well. So mm -hmm. in the past, people would think, oh, if I have a problem, if it's really, really bad, then I have to go and see a counselor. Now it was more like, okay, so I can have a counselor on the phone. It's anonymous. Mm -hmm. It's confidential. I'm not doing so well. Maybe I can give them a call. Mm -hmm. uh, then they may move on to an online counseling and then later on, maybe face to face. But uh, that has been a big change as well. In the past, before COVID, we would say 90% of counseling was face to face. And that switched to, I would say, 90% being online telephone. Well, yeah, that's, that's quite a change. And I think it uh, also encourages people to take this uh, service more and more and not be too discouraged or yeah, see that it's more of a challenge than, than um, easy service. Yeah. And what about you, Geza? I know that uh, COVID impacted you in a way. <laughs> yeah, I think there are several things coming together. I fully agree with Miriam and the observation about COVID. And the thing is that I think crises are usually also accelerators for new developments. So here again, I think we see a crisis that brings other stuff up, mm -hmm. stuff that maybe we haven't looked at in that way before. So same here, it's increased the demand on support systems a lot. So um, people seem to be coming to an end with what they know and how they lead their life. Mm -hmm. And they are looking for different methods or different angles, different mindsets, different perspectives, different just ways of leading lives, of leading their lives. In parallel, I must say, what research shows is, is that it's also a zeitgeist phenomenon, a mega trend that's out there. Mm -hmm. So if you look at the research, if you look at sort of what are people dealing with, there are numerous websites and Davos forum and so forth. And there too, it is a movement towards that direction because we see that as individuals, we need this capacity and we are made to be on this planet in relationships. And relationships too function 
over that cap- uh, capability of emotional intelligence of relating to one another. And that too leads us to, to, to deal with those topics of mental health, of relating to one another, uh, to one another in a sane and healthy way. So I think there is a couple of things coming together at this point in time, which fuels the interest and also the willingness to step into those rooms that for some are maybe unknown and maybe sometimes also a little bit scary at first and then uh, discovering something new about themselves. That's true. And uh, yeah, you mentioned that, yeah, it's important to understand yourself, right? It starts really from there. And uh, in this uh, situation, I guess some people also thought again about the purpose of the life and if it makes even sense to them or not. And uh, yeah, that's, that's a good point. Actually, when you, when you say the purpose in life, that's one of the key elements of uh, psychological well-being. Mm-hmm. You know, people think about uh, psychological well-being as something, you know, uh, this subjective feeling of positive emotions and happiness. And yeah. yes, that's one part. But the other part is um, meaningfulness and purpose in life. And what's, what's part of that is, and I will go back to what Geza says about relationships, is mm. when, we, when we think about meaningfulness or the purpose in life, one of a key um, element is positive relationships. Mm-hmm. Other ones would be self-acceptance. Um, life mastery, like what we, how we view life as in general, can we get through life? Uh, are we able to grow personally? Um, and do we have autonomy? So all those are very important in our psychological well-being. Mm-hmm. And um, we ha- there's a stigma about uh, this psychological well-being, right? Sometimes some people hear psychological Uh, well-being and they think of it already as a negative topic and something that that is taboo, right? Um, How are we changing this stigma? I actually happen to think that that's no longer a stigma. Yeah, that (laughs) is great. (laughs) That's just just in my last last year or so, uh, one of the key topics Mm -hmm. of webinars that I've been doing is, you know, is psychological well-being topics. So, um, I think what helps is the media talks about mental health. Um, some celebrities have mentioned how they um, had to seek out counselor or psychologist. So um, people are realizing that to have a different opinion, different view, different strategy, maybe an inspiration from somebody else mm-hmm. who is not uh, involved directly or emotionally attached can be very helpful and wise. And if you think about it, every successful person has at least two or three coaches or mentors that they've used along the way. Maybe I can add something in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there is two different strands when looking at that, first of all. The one is that there is mental illness, and I think that still sometimes have a st- has a stigma, mm-hmm. uh, depression or whatever it may be, just a pathology. Mm-hmm. But on the mm-hmm. other hand, we start to understand more and more the relationship between body and mind because with depression, we now know it's nothing wrong in the heart of, or mind of people. It's more that there's a neurotransmitter not working this with the way it's supposed to be. Mm. So we are starting to understand the physical component of what we call mental illness. That is one part. And I think that 
too, like with us more understanding sources and um, yeah, the, the diseases as such, the pathological terms of mental well-being. I think that will change too. And then there is the non-pathological uh, part of well-being. Like you said, Miriam, sort of diving into yourself, understanding yourself, really taking care of your own happiness. Mm -hmm. And I do think, like you, Miriam, said, you know, we don't wonder about soccer players having mental coaches and it's nothing, yeah. nothing else. They use a mental coaches, coach to increase their you know, their sportive performance, and that's fine. And we can just as much take care of our mental capacities in other regions, unfolding our potential, finding out what's what's making us happy and following that path. Yeah. Okay. And do you see the importance or what do you think uh, is the role of the leader in, in caring for employees? Yeah. So in general, um, I mean, leaders, I think, are... If they are in contact with me, they, they might be in contact for themselves or their teams. So they sometimes come into different sort of from two different viewpoints. Mm -hmm. So, yes, we do offer a lot of programs that have to do with with mental well-being or that even or just reach out into, into that area. Mm -hmm. A lot about mindfulness, emotional intelligence, understanding emotions of yourself and others helping others along, dealing with emotions, relationship building, and so forth. So there's a lot going on. And I do think that leaders, at least the ones that I uh, encounter mostly, they have an incredible willingness to step into their own growth, which That's I good. really respect and honor. Mm -hmm. And they also deeply care about translating that into their teams, taking the teams along, caring about those who are around them. And that can be the private context, but definitely also uh, the context they are professionally in. So for me, like I have so many people knocking at my door saying like, I feel something is wrong in my team. How can we go about it? I see an individual struggling or so. I really do find that there's a lot of caretaking on all different levels in the leaders that I'm with. And I really appreciate a lot that they look at both perspectives, growing themselves and building a platform for others to grow. I agree with you, uh, Geza, that it starts from self. And uh, I've seen many leaders who are not self-aware and uh, that is then detrimental for the teams. And then I've seen many, many leaders who are self-aware and they work on their self-development. They are caring. They do show care for their teams and they're an example to others. And we need more of those. Oh, fully agree there, Miriam. Same here. But I do think that it's become more and it's, it's, it's spreading more and more. And I do think it will become part, at least in Dutch Telecom, of Dutch Telecom's corporate culture. And I, again, it's one of those things where I think it's a necessity. You know, we see so many things, so many influences, but this is absolutely an absolute must. It's not only sort of individuals, relationships, you know, with organizations dissolving, you need to create followership that you can only do through relationship building. And that you can only do if you're sort of close to yourself, mm, right? Yeah. <laughs> And the next thing is sort of war. And I know it's a, it's a critical term, war for talent. Unless 
you're sort of an employer that also cares for the entire human being. Not only sort of do you have back pains or headaches or something and then go to the gym. No, you also need to have the full being in your view. And that includes mental, mental health and mental wellness. And that's why I think it's, it, it will maybe slowly, but it will definitely become part of our culture, I'm, I'm sure. Thank you. Uh, thanks for sharing that. That makes me feel hopeful because I felt <laughs> that you are way past where we are. Uh, so it's good to hear that you also are having uh, some struggles and that it's not everyone. <laughs> so, oh, no, so yeah, it's yeah. a process. So thank We're, you for that. That gives me definitely. hope. We are still on the way. Yeah. <laughs> And I think it's, yeah, it maybe with, as you said, the COVID being the accelerator for change, it showed this aspect in a lot of leaders that didn't show it before. And that this uh, situation of a crisis empowered this in them or at, at least um, activated this, um, yeah, the skills in them. So, yeah, there's still ways to go, but I also feel that it will get in there. Um, is there any other ways the employer and the organization can really make sure that the employee's mental wellness is taken care of properly? What we've seen is just uh, giving the opportunity to promote the EAP programs. So programs that uh, offer counseling for employees mm -hmm. take time to promote it within the organization. Without that, the people will not get the information. And it's not enough to just say, oh, we have this program, go ahead and use it. True. It needs to be reminded. Uh, it needs to be reminded. Uh, often and frequently, especially when the company is going through a lot of changes, when, when uh, people are going through difficult times, like, like, for example, when they had to suddenly work from home, that was a big change. And, you know, in Slovakia, people live in small apartments where they are now with uh, their partner or spouse, their kids, and it's a difficult situation. And, and the employer, if they expect them to be working the same way, it's not going to happen without the support. So, reminding them that there are these programs available for them. Um, also, what we do is uh, coaching for the, for the managers and the leaders and some of the specialists, which is uh, also within Deutsche Telekom uh, subgroup. And that helps a lot because uh, we work directly with the, uh, with the first line managers and second line managers who then can care about their employees. So remind them again that there's, there's help. Mm -hmm. Um, another way to support it is through webinars uh, or through some activities like what Geza is doing, uh, mindfulness trainings and meditation and promoting it within the organization. Here it's available to you, not just placing on the intranet for people to find, but really actively promoting it, that there is this thing out there for you. And here are the topics. I just recently did, um, yesterday I did a topic of resilience for Deutsche Telekom uh, subgroup. I also um, did psychological well-being a couple of weeks ago. So uh, reminding people that uh, we're all in it together. And when we're struggling, there's ways to get help. Mm -hmm. And there's one thing I'd love to add to what Miriam so beautifully laid out. I think for some of us, it's just also strengthening their capacity to get into conversation when you feel someone struggling. Because for some, it's really hard to step into that because they feel insecure themselves because they are afraid what's coming up. So for us at Top Executive Development, it's also um, an endeavor to sort of give leaders a full palette and array of 
sort of being in contact with their own feelings and also um, being feeling free to be in contact with other ones feeling to actually go into this conversation to really name it and see like I see you struggling what's up how can I help you know what 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 would help you to to go along because sometimes I feel that this first step into actually recognizing openly that something's going on is so wonderful and helpful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. And uh, um, since you mentioned uh, some of the um, tools to help the meditation and uh, yeah, maybe yoga or or uh, mindfulness, so can you tell us from your experience how did it, how did it help you, um, especially to cope with the stress uh, in this uh, in this period? Yeah, for me, meditation is a place where I feel very home, very connected to myself. Mm. And for me, meditation and the pause it creates really allows me to connect very deeply to myself because I tend to lose that at times when it's, you know, when, when it's turbulent and struggling and it's high pace at work, mm. then that is where I can actually check in. Like, how is my body doing? Do I get enough sleep, nutrition? A movement and so forth. That might be different for other people, but that is my way of connecting with myself. But I just want to say that I guess it's different for everyone. I don't, you know, for me, it's like, this is my way, but some people might feel that they get into this access to themselves by going for a long walk. And I just find it would be great that everyone finds their way, that it doesn't have to be, you know, in full lotus on a meditation pillow sitting still. If that's not your way, that's great. And that's totally fine. We're all different. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's uh, one way, as you said, it one way of finding yourself. And there could be other uh, tools and other paths that you can take uh, aside of mindfulness and meditation. And also meditation can be done in a different ways, right? It's not necessarily closing your eyes. A million different ways, yes. <laughs> and I, I, I guess there are also other ways, right? To keep your, how to say, sanity, to keep your, your head afloat. Yeah, how do you get to this um, self-acceptance? What are the other ways maybe, Miriam, you can give us from your point of view? Uh, what, what would you recommend to, to do to get to that um, yeah, self-acceptance uh, spot? Okay, I think I'll answer in two parts. Mm -hmm. um, one is I will. I want to just uh, a little bit connect to what Geza said. So we have to try different ways to um, to connect. And uh, one of the things that has um, has worked for for many people is through the mental um, competencies and mental uh, resilience. And there are different things that uh, people uh, can do and can practice. And um, for example, a lot of times people have trouble with their own thoughts, their own thoughts, negative thoughts, expectations. So uh, changing the way um, to um, to help them get through the traps that, that they could get themselves into, like catastrophic scenarios or black and white, white vision, you know, how do I get through that? So sometimes it helps people to just have these little um, sentences that help them through their thought, thought process. For example, I'll give you an example, like, uh, let's say I'm having a catastrophic scenario. So, um, usually it starts with what if mm -hmm. this and this happens. So, um, kind of, a um, um, a tool could be, you know, asking yourself the question, is it really true? Mm -hmm. Um, 
or another way is what is the worst that could happen and really working on the mental thought, uh, thought level or another one that, uh, that people really like is, uh, and it really helps them during this time when, especially if they're perfectionists and, and they're, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, and they have these high expectations of themselves <laughs> is this one sentence. And that is, um, I'm doing the best I can and it's good enough. I'm noting this down. <laughs> And you don't have to believe it hundred percent, but if you tell yourself that sentence every day, because chances are that you are doing the best you can and it is good enough. It's just our mind gets in the way, our thoughts get in the way. Um, and, uh, we struggle with this, uh, negative, uh, expectations or high expectations of ourselves when we could just kind of give ourselves the pat on the back, a uh, kind of a self hug, you know, mm-hmm. like I'm doing the best I can and it's good enough. And one of the things that uh, is connected to that, what uh, Geza said, is uh, practicing gratefulness. The uh, one of the key principles I teach in any any webinar that I do is um, the concept of gratitude. We have forgotten to be grateful for things we have. Um, mm-hmm. We can be so thankful for whether we're living in peace that we actually have work and and anything else. But gratitude is something that you can learn to do every single day. It's like a muscle you build. You don't have to be, um, you don't have to have parents who are grateful and you can have all, any kind of background. You can learn the concept of gratitude and you can bring it within uh, to yourself, to your family, to, uh, to your work, to your team. Um, how many times do you start a staff meeting with, what are you grateful for today? And how easy would that be yeah. to, to just add that to, um, to the, the team staff meeting or to, um, everyday life, you know, what am I grateful for today when you sit around the dinner table? So. And there's another thing, Miriam, I I think it's so wonderful, uh, how you're speaking about this because, um, the way we do it in Deutsche Telekom is very much also, like you said, you know, mindfulness, emotional intelligence, all those capabilities, they're not up in the air somewhere. They're not sort of a spiritual world outside. So mindfulness actually doesn't mean anything else than having mind and body and a full person in the present moment. And meditation, as we use it in the trainings in Deutsche Telekom, meditation doesn't mean anything else than mental training. It doesn't have a religious or spiritual component or anything else that it can also have. Mm. Here, it just means it's a mental training. You just I love that. I, can I use that next time? Yeah, Thank you so much. Because, so. because I've had struggle with, uh, with this region when people think, oh, meditation is something from the East. And, you know, here in Slovakia or Czech Republic, we are more pragmatic. And no, yeah. Please don't bring meditation into any of no. our workplace. <laughs> and, and that's how we speak in the programs about it. We just use the term mental training and after they experience the effect of mental training, then we say that's actually meditation mm-hmm. because from the word root, where it comes from, from, from its etymological background, it just means to familiarize your mind with something. It's nothing mm-hmm. else than that. It's a mental training. You Great. just learn Thank to you. focus or learn to whatever you want your mind to do. That's what you train. And that's why I find it so completely relevant for any context and also for the business context, because that's what we want, right? 
and with the yeah. um with the um you know with the perfectionist we also do a little practice and i love that too because in our uh practice we give leaders um a little practice where we basically say take one breath and on the in breath you just say to yourself i do my best and on the out breath, you say, I let go of the rest. Oh, I'm noting this one down. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's such a quick, you just need to take one breath. And as you said, we are always doing the best we can of what we can do at the moment, what is available at this very moment. This is what we give. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It helps to to have some kind of kind of mantra or kind of something to repeat to yourself, to ground yourself and bring yourself back, right? Yeah, I love the term grounding in that sense, because in, in lots of trainings and, and, and seminars that I do with leaders and other people, too, and, and you might also feel it for yourselves. Sometimes we're just sort of out of our body. Our thoughts are, are we are just not fully inside the body. Yeah, that's how it feels like. <laughs> and it actually feels like yeah. it. Once you, you draw your awareness to it, you feel that you're not in your body. And people can hear it and feel it themselves. And I think that's so great to just check in Mm. and find where are you. So I love how you brought in the concept of grounding, of really being present, fully inside the body and rooted in where you are. I love that. Actually, the concept, yeah, the concept of grounding helps with anxiety as well. So focusing on what you see, five things you see. Yeah. For, for things you can touch or, you know, what can you smell? And you're just focusing on grounding on something. You could do it physically, you could do it mentally. And that can be quite helpful. In, uh, Super helpful, yeah. Yeah. Now, my last question to you, it's, um, yeah, a bit personal maybe. So my last question for you is, what is a life lesson that you've been given that you cannot forget until now? Well, I think one of the lessons that I maybe had to learn, but I'm really grateful that I learned that maybe some have that as a gift in their sort of when they, in their upbringing or so. But one of the life lessons I have is really trusting in life. Hmm. And I had to learn it. I didn't trust in life. And now I have this deep trust in life that whatever happens, it's happening for something good. I might not see it immediately. I might not feel it. I might even resist it. But in the end, and that's really carrying me through a lot of things, Mm -hmm. trusting that there is something good in it, trusting in life. Nice. That is cool to hear. And how about you, Miriam? For me, it's been uh, the, the, the biggest life lesson in recent times has been that tough times build character. Mm hmm. And so I don't embrace things that, uh, you know, if they're difficult or tough, that we just have to walk away. I actually feel that uh, the best way is to step through the challenge, step through the mm-hmm. difficulty and come out at the end and say, you know, I'm still standing. Yeah. And I may fall in between and I may overcome some hurdles, but it really builds me, builds my character and um, leading with humility and vulnerability. Uh, really brings great results. So uh, for me, even COVID and tough times, I think there's many positives that we can learn from that. So, mm. and one of the biggest lessons for me is the tough times that we go through in our lives built our character. 
and we can be better people. Yeah. I also feel the same because I think that life, whatever challenges life gives us is really in order to develop ourselves because I feel like our ultimate goal in life is to be the best version of ourselves and to be always continually, constantly improving. And the way to to win kind of, if you want to say it in life, is to just, as you said, go straight through it, get done with it, learn the lessons that you need to learn from that and then move on. And have the courage to do it yes. and listen to your yourself, your inner voice yeah. and find that inner strength because a lot of times people will try to tell you who you are True. or will try to give you the, their own expectations, expectations or their own view of your life. Yeah. But uh, the important thing is to, um, to listen to yourself, to listen to your inner voice, have the courage to step through that and follow your passion. Yeah. And when you do that, mm-hmm. you will find the happiness and uh, meaningfulness in life. Yeah. Great. Thank you for the super nice discussion today. I really enjoyed the conversation with you, ladies. It was a pleasure. Thank you. It has been a pleasure to be here. Thank you, Mai. So that's all, folks. Thanks a lot for tuning in to the TSE Talks and joining me today along with my guests. All in all, mental well-being is a topic that's getting more and more attention lately. Thanks to the difficult times we're living in, organizations finally noticed the correlation between employees' well-being and the company's success. Leaders need to keep in mind the importance of their role in creating a safe space for their teams and enabling an honest and open talk about the difficulties and stress they may encounter. We should also work on our mindset, build mental resilience, practice gratefulness, and remember that the first step to transformation is to have a better and deeper understanding of ourselves. Because the beginning of every change starts from our self-perception. Make sure to go to talks.tse.group, subscribe to our podcast and leave us a feedback. Finally, the communication topic is coming next month. So we will discuss the ins and outs of effective communication and how to engage employees, especially nowadays. So stay tuned.